Welcome to the Leadership Secrets Podcast, where we bring you no BS, practical advice from the experts that are doing it. Now, here's your host, Lee Lissomby. All right. Hello, fellow Leadership Secret viewers or listeners. This is Lee Lissomby. I have a special guest today, uh, Kellen Ketcherson. He is a former employee or employee of mine. Uh, we worked at a former company together, and I've kind of followed his career throughout his uh, journey. He's currently at a really cool company uh, called Nemo Life. Uh, he's doing great things there. He has uh, some really great leadership skills that I wanted to bring to this podcast is because we talk a lot about leadership secrets and I don't know if he has a secret, but he has a, a, a way about him that I think you'll see as we get into the interview. Uh, he always had this kind of it factor when it came to leadership and I'm hoping we can share that and kind of bring that out of him on this podcast. Uh, Kellen, how's it going, man? Oh, good. Thanks for the introduction. I, I hope <laughs> I can live up to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. Uh, and if you don't mind, uh, just kind of give them the highlights of, kind of what's going on with you, uh, maybe a little bit about your journey uh, to where you're at. And uh, I don't know who Callan Ketcher said is. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks. So uh, right now I'm uh, serving as the director of operations at NEMA Life. Um, we're a clinical research organization. So um, what we specialize in is uh, some basic research for companies in the pharmaceutical, supplement, um, food industries, among others, where we basically do compound screens. Um, so what does that mean? It means uh, if I'm a pharmaceutical or a supplement company and I've got 100 different drugs or supplement candidates and I want to see the effects of them, um, our company will screen those uh, through uh, our lab and we'll be able to look at the data and tell our clients, uh, you know, these are your top five, and then they can take them on to other things. So I get to oversee our screening lab. Um, we have a manufacturing area where we make microfluidic chips that go through our lab. Um, so it feeds into that pipeline. We also sell those to customers and then we have a data analysis team. So I get to, I get to play in a lot of different areas of the company and and talk to you know lead different people with different skill sets so that's a lot of fun um it's challenging and uh stretches me out a lot so i was glad uh, i had the experience before at uh, osteogenics so that's where we work together and just for your listeners and uh so that was a medical device manufacturer and so uh i got to learn under my director of operations there so uh that was that was you. But um, before that, I was at a Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, um, in the molecular genetics lab. So we did uh, it's the largest uh, genetics lab in the country, at least at that time. Um, so at the Mayo Clinic, and uh, really got a great experience there, and got to learn from good leaders there. So um, yeah, that's I guess I kind of went backwards, but that's sort of the summary of my journey. Yeah, I don't yet the. Uh... The Mayo Clinic thing was always fascinating to me. You've done a lot of really cool things. You know, you, you grew up here in the same, you know, town we're in today, and then you went off to, to where Minnesota, I guess, to work the Mayo Clinic. Then you yeah. kind of had a science background. Then you studied, you did a lot of things at osteogenics. 
when we worked together, you were, you know, went from kind of a science background to more of a regulatory background. You took that over and ran with it. Uh, then you were the production manager, which uh, that's kind of where I really first discovered you. I mean, we yeah. always knew each other. It's you know, somewhat of a small company, but you came in my operation group, and it was a uh, it was a breath of fresh air seeing you there. I feel like the uh, to me, you know, outside looking in, I saw a lot of traits, and I don't necessarily think that leaders are born, but there are some, there are some inherent traits, and the, the really good leaders, maybe most of them are all students of leadership. And I think that's important is that, you know, you study it and you and I would, would talk about some of those things that we were reading or, you know, we went to conferences together when we were there we learned, right. we're always constantly learning. And I always think that kind of separates leaders. What's, what's your thoughts on that continuous improvement or uh, education when it comes to leadership? Is that something you, you find important? Oh yeah. I mean, I think if you're not growing, then it's hard to hard to stay an effective leader, you know. And uh, that was something that I enjoyed when we worked together. Was uh, I mean, like you said, you were the one that that noticed that I was uh, working alone, and I was willing and and excited about you know having an opportunity to lead people, and uh, you know getting to know your people on a real level. You were you know you you set the example of uh, not just you know talking on a, a business level all the time but really getting to know each other and um i tried to use that and still do try to use that with staff today just mm-hmm. um and that that professional development that you refer to along with building the relationships with your team combining those two so you can get to a place where you're really talking about the things that matter um and that's where it's all about so yeah i tell you man it's so important I, you know, I see those things. I talk about these in other episodes of our podcast, but you know, that continuous, you know, continuous education and personal yeah. development is such a such important piece of, you know, being an effective leader. But you know, I always noticed that you when you became a production manager, you know, pulled you out of the lab like you're talking about, and it was a, uh, you automatically, I mean, you hit the ground running. I didn't know if you had any leadership skills or not. I saw something in there, but I was hoping it was there, and you, you proved them right. And, and everyone was kind of just drawn to you. So I think there is somewhat of a, you know, some traits there that but mostly you're just really kind and respectful. I think that's a big, big piece of it as well. People respected you. So right now, how many people are you currently over, overseeing? Like how big is your team? And maybe how many direct reports do you have there yeah. in the so right now I have five direct reports. Um, the team in operations is somewhere around 25, uh, tw- between 20 and 25. If, uh, some of those are part-time. Um, so we're still a pretty small company, you know, as a startup. But, um, you know, I, I think there's advantages to that, too, because people wear a lot of different hats. And, um, you know, you get to you get to be exposed to things across the organization that maybe a larger organization can't do as much. So, um, yeah. So anyway. That's great. Yeah. So four or five direct reports. Uh, Five. Five, Yeah. So are those five people or do they, they manage people or lead people in their areas? Three of those five do. And then the other two are individual contributors. So yeah. Gotcha. 
Now, we kind of talked about personal development a little bit. Uh, you know, a big piece of my just coming from the military is this morning routine. I got, I talk about morning routine probably more than I should. I talk about it with my people and my company. And then, you know, I talked about it when I was at osteogenics. I think this is a vital part of our uh, leadership journey because I remember before I had a morning routine, I would wake up in the last second, throw clothes on, rush to work. And then I started my day in this anxiety, stress, stressful morning. And it's just kind of compounded and people could feel that from me. Then I kind of changed that throughout my career. And I just noticed this huge improvement. Tell me a little bit about your morning routine, things you do you know, to get in that right mindset before you come to work. You know, what do you, what's your morning routine look like? Well, on a, in a, when I'm in a good place, I, I, I've got, I've got two routines and one is the one you just described, which is roll out of bed and get to work. But that's not, that's not always, that's, that's not my typical one. Uh, the, when I'm in a good place and when I'm doing the things I need to do, um, I usually wake up around 530 and then I, right now I've been going to Orange Theory Fitness, um, yeah. three times a week. Um, so the other two days of the week, I will either rest or I'll go to, uh, uh, there's a little gym in the town where I live, just a tiny little place that doesn't even have an air conditioner. So I have to go earlier. I'm going to die in this heat. Uh, I'm quick, huh? Yeah. So, uh, I, I like to start out the day with exercise. I feel like that really helps me get into the right place. And it's funny cause I have more energy throughout the day when I do that, um, and then on those days when I'm when I'm resting or I'm not, you know, going to that small gym, I have a shorter workout. Um, I like to get home, shower off, of course, and then uh, my wife and I will do uh, time together where we'll just uh, we'll either be in our Bibles together or we'll be talking about what's going on with our days and uh, we'll pray together. Uh, just talk about the things that are going on with the kids. So that really helps me just kind of get my my thoughts organized and you know it's easy for me to ignore um my i don't know this is going to sound weird but like my my needs my you know i get into the work setting and it's easy for me to just kind of turn off the part of my brain that thinks about like even like am i thirsty or do i need to you know take a break and uh so that when i start my day off that way i feel like i go into work with a more even keel and I feel like the the tone I set with employees is more relaxed but at the same time more focused so there's a productivity there that that results that I can't force when it's you know like you know that bad routine where you just roll out of bed and come in and maybe the first thing you do is read your emails like uh that's a that's a recipe for disaster. So, um, yeah, that's what I try to do with the morning. But uh, like I, I, I got to admit, it's not always what I land on, but it's what I aspire to. Yeah, it's it's hard to do. And, you know, I found that when you lead people and like you, you have a family, see that great picture in your background there. But, uh, you know, it's the only time really in the day that it's about you. The rest of the day, it's about your company, your the people who report to you, you know, your family, your kids. And it's, you know, I get that one, two hours in the morning there. It's, it's my time. It's my time to reflect, meditate, pray, but also yeah. you know, even education. My, my 
when I'm working out, you know, I'm always listening to some sort of books and that uninter- uninterrupted time is always, always good. Getting in that right place. Absolutely. Uh, so you discussed fitness and exercise. Uh, that's another key piece that we talk about here on this podcast quite a bit. Uh, the other piece is education or do you have any kind of educational uh, practices from a leadership standpoint from personal development? Yeah. So, I mean, I like to read when there's time. And for me, that happens often in the evenings after the kids are in bed. So I have three uh, at home and they're little. So a lot of my, you know, when I get home, that's, that's my, the rest of my time. But once they're down, uh, usually around 830 or so, um, I'll, event you know get a chance to read some or um, on my way to and from work i like podcasts uh yeah. so you you actually put me on to jocko and i'm a big fan of jocko now and uh so i listen to his podcast and uh he's a good mix of entertainment and uh education and uh there's a guy named peter atia that's actually more health aligned but uh i really like what he has to say and i think he also has some things in in his uh in his, you know, what he has to say that are leadership related and Simon Sinek's a, a favorite. Um, so yeah, listening to podcasts, you know, I'm excited to, to listen to some of your guests and, uh, you know, just reading when, when I have the opportunity, I wish I was more of a reader. I've always uh, looked up to you and some of our mutual friends that, uh, I feel like get through more books than I do, but yeah, I guess those are, the the main things that I can think of. And then just, uh, I love going to lunch with people who I really respect. You know, we've gone to, we go to lunch occasionally and uh, several friends that I really look up to that have leadership responsibilities. And I'm always trying to learn from those conversations, so. Yeah, those lunches are powerful. Always kind of come away from those lunches with a new, new energy that- Yeah. Um, it's always great to be around uh, people like yourself and those that, you know, just from your previous, you know, relationship or careers, I guess. But here's one question. Wait, I'm going to go back. Simon Sinek, it reminded me of, uh, for whatever reason, I was listening to us on YouTube uh, in my truck. You know how it just rotates to your whatever, whatever YouTube thinks you should listen to next. And uh, Simon Sinek came on. I haven't listened to him in years. And I forgot how powerful this stuff is. He hits it right on the head. Every time he speaks, it's just, wow. I mean, I mean, you're, I'm, we're so in line in how he thinks. And I'm not nearly, you know, at the Simon Sink level, but that guy is just incredible. What, how he puts it together, you know, how he speaks, his, his TED Talks are incredible. I think he has a number one listen to TED Talk. Oh, wow. In, yeah, in, I'm not surprised. Talks. Yeah. yeah. That guy is something else. Yeah, love- he he is it's amazing like uh he and he's so people centric in the way that he thinks and really i think that that's a strength that you have and and that i try to have it's like uh if you want to get the work done you have to take it to that level where people buy in and they care and and they know that you care and he's so good at that that's like i feel like that's really his his uh best strength so yeah yeah absolutely so I'm dying to ask you the next question just because when I think of this question, I think of you. But give me your best productivity hack. And I'm going to preface this question just because 
when we worked together, you had the most organized notes. And whether it was on your notepad you kept with your multiple highlighters and everything, every color had a, a meaning or something, or your Evernote files were you had this crazy system in Evernote that man was just, just blew me away how you did that. But I think it really helped your organization. You're the most organized people I've ever met. And I definitely looked up to you in that regard and many others. But right now, what are you doing that you, you would like to share with our listeners on productivity? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I don't have that self-perception. Maybe it's because it's always an area where I'm trying to improve. You know, I appreciate that. You know, there are people I look up to that I think of being more organized than me. But, um, you know, it's funny right now on our team, the thing that I'm really into is a system used in Monday.com. It's a project management tool. Um, Really what I like about it and you mentioned Evernote. There was some things about Evernote that have overlap here. Um, anything that helps me stay organized with my priorities. And, you know, it's not just about what you got to do today. It's about what's most important to tackle today. And um, I think the discernment of how I'm going to organize my time most effectively. And uh, that's always appealed to me. So tools that will push alerts to me or help me go to a list that is already pre-populated with the things I got to get done today. Um, but it, so, it, for example, in Monday.com, we can build out these what they call boards where you it's basically you put out your tasks and you can uh, assign who's going to do what. And you can assign timelines and deadlines that will also push alerts to you and um, it's a really neat tool. I know there's a lot of different tools out there that are similar, but that's one that I'm using right now. But uh, yeah, I think just time management is really important to me. And so any tools that'll help me with that, I don't I don't know if I'm uh, coming through on any hacks, right? <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I think those systems only work if you use them regularly. I think one of the biggest reasons why people try to use something like Evernote or um, I can't remember I can't remember the Outlook version of Evernote um, that's all, also common or um, it's OneNote I believe is what it's called. OneNote, um, Monday.com. These sorts of tools only work if you really go all in. Um, because if you only put a few notes in Evernote and then uh, you want to use it as your like personal Google, it's not going to work because you try to search something that you may or may not have saved. And if you don't save everything there, then it becomes a useless thing that you toyed with one time. So maybe um, my wife teases me about my tendency to either be like not buy in or go all in head first <laughs> completely. And I think maybe that's why those tools work for me. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know if I have any, any real hacks, but those are the things that I try to do to keep myself organized. Well, you, you just gave us a lot of gold there. I don't know if there's a hack in there, but the, the all in piece is, you know, as you're saying that I've, I've tried so many different programs that, you know, I, I realized I've never gone all in. That's why I'm still looking for that. You know, that productivity 
program. I'm always using something different. So that's that's absolutely true. I like that. Well, you have to be careful who you, you know, it's like getting married. You got to, you don't want to go all in until you're sure it's the right one. So that's the other yeah. challenge there is uh, I've, I've gone on all in sometimes when I probably shouldn't have. So I don't know. Yeah. You got to be careful about it too. But yeah. What was that system in Evernote you used or maybe still use? Yeah. Uh, oh, you put me on the spot. Uh, Something that you use in Silicon Valley that you got. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank right now uh, on the name of the system, but it's basically using the tag feature that they have to, to yeah. call up anything that you have in a, and then prioritize, like I was saying, based on like what needs to be done now, what can wait till later, um, you know, or something that you just hope to do in the future, putting those tags so you can sort by those different categories and then work through your list systematically based on that priority that's really what uh what that system was all about so i'll uh i, I need to look it up so i can tell you see this is another reason why i use evernote so i have my memory is uh stored outside of my body because i i tend to have a pretty bad memory yeah you got me on that i used it for a couple of years and i lost my evernote license and got away from it but i know my my performance at work I mean, it, it changed. It was a lot better once I started getting my stuff organized in Evernote. It was pretty, pretty good. I liked it. We ended up buying a subscription to Evernote because of you. Yeah, we did. At the and you know, again, it was like uh, it was as useful as people were bought into it. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. so in some cases that it wasn't very useful, but for I think for others in the company, it was a really valuable tool. So yeah. yeah. So uh, moving on. You know, most of these listeners are going to be either newly promoted. Uh, really, my passion when it comes to leadership is frontline leadership. You know, I, I've noticed in my career, that's kind of where myself and companies are kind of falling short is, you know, you have this really good operator or technician or nurse or teacher, whatever profession they're in, and the hardest working, best person, person in that group gets promoted as the leader of that group eventually when that leader you know transfers out or, or leaves or whatever yeah and we, we put them in charge of people from day one and sometimes I, I think we maybe forget about that piece of it we think more about the administrative type of work that you have to do talking about evernote and all those other things answering emails you know right production schedules and we can go down the list of a million things that they got to do uh, depending on what their job is and we train we train them on that and we don't train them on how to be the leader right so that's where i'm kind of focusing my podcast and my business is helping those people at that point in their their careers but if you have to give any advice to someone who has just stepped into a leadership role for the first time you know, perhaps they're now managing their their you know peers at one point. They went from being a peer to a to a leader overnight. What what advice would you give them? Yeah, wow, great question. I think that um being in that entry level or that first level of management is often one of the hardest places to be because um oftentimes you've got the top level leadership that 
want to see certain things done. And oftentimes you're having to be the bridge between what is coming from up above and then the people on the ground who are doing the actual work. And sometimes there's disconnect between those two groups. And um, so for those like entry level or first level of managers, um, you you can end up in a place where you feel like you're supposed to take a side. Um, are you going to side with top level leadership and, you know, be a be that uh, you know, at times a bad guy with the people on the ground, or are you going to side with the employees that work under you and then, you know, gripe about what's up above? And I don't think either is the answer. Uh, but I think that really, if I was to give advice to somebody who's first stepping into a role like that or kind of a middle manager role, it's about connecting people and connecting not just. Um, and what I mean by connecting people is the idea that you understand, you're trying to help uh, the people who are under you know why the people who are above you are wanting certain things. And, we, you know, you, this is nothing new, the idea of understanding why uh, or knowing the why behind something. But it's a, it's so fundamental because if you want buy-in across all domains, you've really got to connect that that reason that is a motivator for your people. So, um, you know, here at Nema Life, one of the things that we we try to emphasize is you who are working in the lab and you're doing these tasks that are repetitive often and um, you know can be mundane sometimes. Why did why do we do that? What's the importance of if you if you weren't doing that the right way, how might it ruin an experiment that might lead to us not discovering uh, a really great drug treatment for Alzheimer's disease. And, you know, like it sounds, it almost sounds overblown, but it's not. Um, that little act that seems uh, meaningless or repetitive to somebody on the ground floor might really lead to a discovery that could make a difference in thousands of lives later. Yeah. Um, and I know that's different depending on what industry you're in, but. Um, the concept is still there of communicating that that meaning to every level and and making sure that everybody is bought in. You know, um, sometimes I think organizations make up a why that sounds nice, but you can't fake it. If it's not the real reason that's motivating the leadership, um, people are smart. And I think people on the at the ground floor um, they they know more than a lot of times we leaders realize, and so it has to be genuine. It has to be real, and uh, so yeah, getting to know your people so that you can have those conversations and and communicate the why. That's all. Uh, I don't know if I answered the question, but I really I think that's a. Uh, I love that. I love that answer is because there's so many times we forget this that you know as leaders and managers and directors. We get all this information from from you know customers or the president or the CEO, constantly getting fed stuff, you know the vision, the purpose, the you know, yeah. what how we're doing this, and the people on the floor don't get that information. We we just assume they know sometimes. Yeah. Like okay, so I think that's a great point you make is we have to break this stuff down to them at that level. You know, those frontline leaders, it's so important that they understand, for one. So the senior management and middle management has to break it down into the 
that frontline leader role, whether it's a foreman or, you know, supervisor or whatever they, they are, and they need to break it down to their people. So all that stuff gets broken down in bits and chunks that make sense to them. And I, you know, I talk to customers almost every day in my current role, and I, I feel their pain. Like they, they stress it to me every day, but you know, the people on the floor don't know that they're working like everything's great. So and it's, and it, you know, it's not that it's bad. It's just need another urgency behind what we're doing. And, you know, it's, it's a great point. Well, once people know why we do things, then it's, I, I think the next thing for me is helping them or once people start acting on that, why, and you start seeing that buy-in to spotlight, and really like give credit to people who work under you so that it's not about you anymore. It's about them. You know, when, when I talk to the people who are above me bragging on my best people, which I know you did this for me and uh, you do that with an employee and they'll run through a wall for you. You know, um, you make somebody see the why behind what we do and then they buy in and they start acting that way and, and you you appreciate that in a real way then that becomes contagious and then you get a group of people who are excited to come to work every day because it it's meaningful and they know when they do a good job you're going to recognize that and you get a whole culture like that and uh it's powerful yeah you hit it right on the head that recognition goes so goes so far with people yeah you know they're you know, they're, you know, working, you know, every day doing the same repetitive task and sometimes they forget why they're doing it and just recognizing those things. I mean, I know a lot of people say that the only recognition is money, but I disagree. I think, you know, this, uh, you know, pat on the back, uh, you know, kudos, those things are equally as powerful and makes them feel great. And, you know, it's, they need it and then they deserve it. You know, they're, they're the ones that are earning the money for us. Absolutely. Making right. it fun too. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But yeah, making it fun. Like you said, it doesn't have to always come in the form of a raise. I mean, uh, one of my favorite books is uh, The Great Game of, uh, what is it? The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. Um, and that's one of, one of the things he talks about is, you know, seeing what motivation you want from employees and, and making it a game, you know, making it, um, you know, not just a KPI, but something that kind of adds some fun to the day-to-day and, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Make it fun. Yeah. You ever put that foosball table in the break room? <laughs> I, th- I thought that was the silliest thing. Like, no one's going to use this foosball table. And every day people are out there. And we had foosball tournaments. I mean, it was a huge hit. And it's something yeah. I never even thought of. Yeah. Having fun at work is really important. Yeah, it's underestimated. And, you know, I think some people might think that would drain your productivity, but I, I disagree. I think you get more out of people when they uh, they have those moments to connect and uh, and enjoy that kind of fun together. And then they go back to the work floor and, and you get more out of a team that enjoys working together and has those moments where they can pause and, and have fun. So. Right. right. All right, so we talked a little bit about leadership books, education. Uh, you know, I, I kind of think there's, for me anyway, it may not be for everyone else, but you read these books, 
where you say you go to a conference, you know, you get all excited and can't wait to get back to your company and implement these, these new things you learned. And it kind of goes away. It's kind of like lots of fire and the fire burns out pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, the continuous, improve, continuous education, personal development thing is constant. So I think that's why it's so important. But while I'm reading books, I, I often think, you know, like attitude was a big thing for me. I didn't always have the best attitude. And I was, you know, emotional intelligence was always one of my weaknesses in, my, in the beginning of my career. And I would read about it. And almost every book talks about or leadership book talks about attitude or emotional intelligence. And I would pull stuff out of it and I'll try to implement it. But next thing I know, my attitude is bad. And I have a low, you know, EQ again. So it wasn't really until I started reading, expanding my horizon, I guess. And I started reading more about, you know, gratitude, you know, law of attraction, where that I talk about episode two, which I'll put in the show notes of this episode, uh, an attitude of gratitude. Yeah. When I started implementing that, it's more of a practice than it was so much of, you know, reading and learning and educating yourself on it. It's more something you would have to do every day. And you know, talking, you talk about prayer in your opening introduction. You know, I think that's such an important part, whether it's prayer or meditation, and kind of that, you know, that emotional upheaval you need to do to empty your empty your mind, empty the stress, and get yourself in the right state of mind. Is there something in in leadership books? or maybe even a leadership course or conference that you think is uh, kind of missing. What you have an example of something like that, where you feel like there's a gap between what's out there right now in the books and education that you're seeing, you know, day to day that works for you. Well, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of different philosophies on leadership and I'm definitely not, uh, well-versed in all of them. So it's hard for me to say what's not out there, but um, something I wish I read more is probably just this concept of getting to the truth. Um, I think that's uh, something that holds true, not just in business, but across across the board, even in personal life. You know, you can't really make something work until you know the ugly truth. And, uh, you know, I have a, a memory of our interaction one time where something went wrong in the uh, clean room. And I think I had some employees that were sweeping some problems under the rug when I had first started uh, managing that work area. And there was a day where I just, I found out the, the truth, you know, <laughs> like it wasn't yeah. good. It was like, oh man, I'm, uh, I'm gonna be in trouble now, you know? And uh, I remember going to your office and sitting down with you and expecting to get the hammer, you know, to come down on me. And you surprised me so much because you were, you seemed excited. And it was like, I realized after the conversation, I think I was just in shell shock at the time, but later I reflected on it. And I realized that you liked hearing it, not because it was good news, but because we were finally getting to the bottom of things and you can't solve a problem until you know what's really happening. And uh, so that was a really important lesson for me. Um, being, you know, being truth tellers and truth seekers and being the kind of people who, whether it's good news or bad news, we want to get the real facts. And uh, I, I think that that's uh, really core for me now. 
in my in my role here at NEMA Life, um, you know, it's not always good news. But what you do with that news and how you respond, um, I think some leaders want to avoid knowing what's really going on sometimes. <laughs> uh, and that's not real leadership. I think real leadership is not just uh, not just being willing to hear the truth every once in a while, but actually seeking it out and trying to build your business around um, you know data and, and facts that give you that ground truth so you can yeah make the right decision from it so. yeah I, I think that's a great answer i haven't really thought about that but it's so true uh, you know once you know the information then you can put a plan together to go fix it and those moments are, are great but you know as leaders we have to be approachable yeah if someone comes to you and tells you the truth about something and you you know you do drop the hammer on them then that employee's not gonna ever come back to you with the truth. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah, that, it made me think of a. I've got to botch this quote, but it's basically some of the effect of like the the fastest way to to make somebody never do the right thing again is to punish them for it. You know, like it's like a, you know, or makes or make somebody feel silly for for finally opening up in a way that uh, you know maybe they'll get in trouble or you know being vulnerable in, about a something. It's that's a as a leader, those are some of the most important moments you have. How you respond, right. and uh, you do you punish somebody for bringing you bad news and and kill the messenger, or do you <laughs> you teach this principle of we're gonna we're not gonna look for blame here, we're gonna look for a solution. Um, yeah, right. I mean, we're all we're all the same team. Yeah. Now we when you get we break up in these silos and we work in different departments, different areas, and. I mean, it's all one team. We're all there for the same goal. We're all trying to, you know, make make the company money so we can, you know, grow and progress our careers. So yeah. if you you think about it like that's their problem or this is our problem, and it's that's where we kind of get crossways sometimes. It's it's all of our problem. Let's it's, it's come together as a team and fix it. And right. That's, that's it. Do you have a book or uh, maybe something our listeners can? can take away from, you know, getting down the truth, everything you've read or studied that it's helpful. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I already mentioned it, but that, uh, great game of business by Jack stack, uh, that, I think that came out a long time ago, but they did a, uh, a new release of it probably five years ago, something like that, an updated version. Um, I think that's one that, that hits on this concept and, I think in that book he talks about it from a standpoint of knowing the the truth of your financial say, statement and uh, okay. you know your balance sheet and your bottom line and not making those things hidden from employees but really um, you know transmitting the parts of that balance sheet that are affected to the relevant departments and saying you know here's the real truth of, of our business and what you do affects the business in this way. Mm-hmm. And so instead of it being, um, it's, it's sort of a, explains itself when your employees understand those numbers and what they do, why it matters on that business level, that's inherently motivating. So I, I thought that was a cool way of, uh, of looking at it from a business standpoint, but I think just being a truth seeker and truth teller, at all levels is 
it's really the way to success across not just business, but I think in personal life too. But that's a we could get we could get into even more if we wanted. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's a book I haven't read, so I need to pick that one up. Which brings us to our next topic or next uh, question. Uh, there's so many times in in my career I've I've wished I could hand either my boss or you know an employee a leadership book like you really need to read this and not that I'm an expert in any way possible or any any means but I I just think all leaders should be reading something and yeah. to, to me if every leader could read my my big book is the book uh, it's your ship with that navy captain uh can't remember even the name of the the captain, the author of that book, but to me that breaks down leadership in the perfect way. And maybe I'm biased because I'm prior Navy, but if everyone can just read that book, I think we have a a lot, a lot more leaders out there, a lot better run companies. Uh, do you have a book? And you mentioned the the Great Game of Business. Do you have any other books that you would recommend everyone should read? Yeah, I mean, some of mine are cliche or, you know, I've been around a long time. Seven Habits is always uh, yeah. one that's a, a good one. Uh, you know, you introduced me to Lean Concepts and Machine That Changed the World was a really, um, it had a bit in, big impact on me when I was starting out and working in an area that did, you know, manufacturing in a sense. And uh, so that was, that was one that it really influenced me. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, a lot of my leadership uh, learning comes through the form of podcasts. So even something like this is, uh, you know, when you're uh, when you're working father of three, sometimes a podcast is just an easier way to get information than uh, sitting down and reading. Although I do like when I can have a chance to do that. Yeah. So you mentioned Jocko podcast. Are there any other podcasts that you we should be putting on our in our library to listen to? Uh in terms of leadership, um, well I said I think I said Simon Sinek, he's got a good one. And then there's a podcast uh called Second in Command that I've been uh listening to here and there, and it's really geared towards COOs. Um okay. and so I'm not a COO, but um it's basically the idea of, you know, when you're serving under a CEO and it's it's about aligning the organization to that vision. And uh, so I think it would be a, it's a good podcast for a lot of leaders who are not at the very top, you know, the yeah. CEO. And so that applies to a lot of people. And how do you uh, how do you work with the CEO, that top level leadership in a way that um you know gives them credibility with the employees but also makes what their vision for the company is work at the ground level and across domains so that's fascinating i haven't heard of that podcast i need to get any listen to that one appreciate you mentioning that it's a yeah. that's really interesting uh concept for a podcast that's great and speaking of podcasts <laughs> leadership secrets is our podcast and we yeah. I mean, the biggest thing behind this podcast is we're trying to get out those leadership secrets. Uh, we both worked for the same uh, company, and within that company, we had an owner. And I've written about him in a couple different uh, posts on LinkedIn. But you know, Dr. Bartiz, his name, 
he wasn't a uh, didn't cut his teeth in leadership. He was a a dentist and you know oral surgeon, and then he started his company. And I wouldn't say he has a he was far removed from leadership as anyone I know, but he wasn't in the leadership spectrum. He was just a really good guy. Yeah. And to me, that was so powerful because I'll be trying to implement all these different, you know, tactics, techniques into my leadership journey. And I was constantly reading about, you know, emotional intelligence or whatever it might've been at the time. And, and then I saw Dr. Barty and we would all run through a brick wall for that guy. <laughs> and really it was just because he was a, a super nice guy. Yeah. He made you feel important when he talked to you. Yeah. He, he had that energy about him. And it was just, I, I thought he was a great leader. And I didn't even, I don't know if he's even read a leadership book. <laughs> but uh, so with that in mind, do you have a, a secret in your leadership journey that's worked for you that more people should be be doing out there in the world of leadership? I mean, I, I think I talked about this a little bit. I think a lot of leaders secretly have a lot of insecurities and fears about how they're seen. And, you know, as a leader, I think sometimes it's there's a there's a temptation to take credit for things that are accomplished by the people who work for you, um, mm-hmm. especially when the people above you don't know that who who accomplished this. Um, so having the courage to, instead of stealing credit, give it to the people who on the ground did it. And really, even to a fault, um, when you could, you know, you played a big role in what they accomplished or maybe a bigger role than they did being big enough to still point at others and spotlight them. I think, I think it builds uh trust and it also, um, it makes it more about our success than my success. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I think that's hard because, um, you know, sometimes we just, we want to, we want credit and we're hoping that people are seeing what we're doing and we're working our tail off. Um, I think having the confidence to know that that will be seen without you having to, to, to work extra, you know, like to take credit I think having the confidence to know that people will see it and you just pass that that good glory or whatever on to the people who also deserve it. And uh yeah, that's something Barry did. I think he, you know, he he was good at that. Whether or not he'd read any leadership books, he he certainly got it. He certainly got the idea of making you feel like what you did mattered. And uh I think that's what it accomplishes when you're big enough to make it about others and not taking that credit on for yourself. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And it's, that's so powerful. I mean, a lot of times we, we climb the ranks into that management position because, you know, we're highly competitive people. You know, we, we develop this ego over a course of time. Like, you know, I, I do this job better than anyone else. That's why I got promoted. I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to, I want the credit. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a great one. Actually, uh, I have a free document for our listeners. If you want to download it on my website, the first 30 days of leadership, I talk about this in this document, you know, what are the, I always think those first 30 days of leadership are so important and powerful. So I put together a, about a 14 page document you can download, you know, give it to your employees 
And it's a pretty quick read, but no, this ego piece is is definitely in there. I think you got to check that ego at the door. Cause as soon as you become a leader, it's no longer about you. Yeah. It's about the team. It's just like when you become a parent and that's the closest thing I can relate it to. You know, it's about you until you have a kid. Then it all sounds about us. You know, it changes overnight. And a lot of times people have problems with that. You're right. Cause they want to, they still want that credit. They want to, they don't want to give their team the credit, but man, it's, that's a great one. I like that one. Well, it's not something that I've been perfect in, but it's something I aspire to. And uh, I think we all need to try to, to work hard in, on ourselves in that area. So. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's, I'm the same way. It's not always perfect, but just keep trying, keep studying, and keep learning, and keep growing. Yeah. All right, Kellen. That's, that's kind of the end of our podcast. Uh, you know, can you tell the listeners where uh, where you can be found? Uh, you got a brand, social, maybe your company's brand, or where you are located at? Where can they follow you? Yeah. So I uh, I'm not the most personally branded guy. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, as far as our company. We're uh, we have a website nemalifeinc.com, um, so you can find us there. Our company is also on Facebook and LinkedIn. So um, I think we're doing some exciting things. So I hope your listeners will check us out and see what's there. Um, and then if anybody would want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'd be happy to to connect and and chat with anybody who's interested. But yeah, that's a uh, that's about all I got. That's all you got. All right. Well. <laughs> He has some excellent answers to these questions. Uh, I think the listeners are going to get a lot of benefit out of it. Uh, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, we got to meet up sometime quick. Uh, good seeing you. Good talking to you. Uh, appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, let's get lunch soon. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Secrets Podcast. Please join us next time as we bring you more leadership secrets from the people who are actually doing it. See you soon.